Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. This morning we are uh, continuing a series. It's just a little bit of an extended preamble there, but we're jumping into a week three of our series, Sweeter Than Honey. And uh, the past three weeks, we've kind of centered around this metaphor that comes from Psalm 81, verse 16. The psalmist, he writes, that you would be fed from the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. And the idea is that there are these two opposites that the writer refers to, that a rock being the hardest thing that nature can produce and honey being the sweetest thing that nature can produce. And the writer says that from the rock will come honey, Really, the idea is oftentimes out of life's hardest moments, God can bring the sweetest things. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about sweeter than honey. The past two weeks, Pastor Jake has really just shared so wonderfully the first week about how God brings honey from the rock and what he does, the sweetness of um, really the hard moments in our life. And then last week, he shared about perspective and how to recognize the sweet things that God does. He left us with a challenge, something I've been kind of examining all week. Really, I think it's important for us to just start this way. But the question is, do you worship God because he's useful to you or because he's beautiful to you? See, many times we see God as an addition to our life. But really, the challenge for the believer is not just to see God as something to be used, but really because his ways are beautiful to us. And that's really the the foundation of why we worship. Today, we're picking up um, in in week three here from 2 Corinthians. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you would turn with me there, we're going to pick up three verses, uh, starting in verse 16. Paul writes to the church that he planted in Corinth. He says, so we do not lose heart. Today, he says, don't be discouraged. If you're facing pain, if you're facing suffering, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are, as not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to preach to you today from this title, Sweet Suffering. Sweet Suffering. I've just had to say I'm really proud of our church here the past few weeks as we've kind of unpacked this series. It really has been special the way that you've leaned in and received. I mean, we're doing a series on suffering that's like not really the most fun topic to talk about in church. Probably no one came here today being like, hey, you got to go to my church. They're talking about suffering. It's going to be awesome. No, we try to avoid pain. It's, it's normal. It's, it's called staying alive. I don't know, um, this past year, I, can, I consider myself, you know, physical fitness to be a value in my life. But last year, all the gyms had closed down. During the season where everything was closed, I was introduced to something called CrossFit. Have you heard of this? It's miserable. It's like an hour of seeing how creative we can get by self-inflicting pain. It's t- I, I come home like limping and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, CrossFit. 
it's, it's really painful. Some of you can relate. You're, you're here today and you go, well, I mean, I, I could have abs. It just hurts too bad. <laughs> we don't like pain. We try to avoid pain. And I think many times pain is just a reality in our life. The truth is we all face painful chapters. We all go through suffering. In fact, many people have said that pain is the universal language. Why is this the case? Because life is hard. Pain happens. And that's no secret. You know, there's a lot of people here today. I can only imagine a room this size with different stories and different circumstances represented, different moments of pain along the journey. Even people here today that may be facing the most difficult season that you've ever had to endure. Knowing today that you're faced with real pain, emotional pain, like losing a job or, or, or worse yet, losing a loved one or faced with relational pain, like difficulty with a spouse or a child that's far from God, maybe faced with physical pain in need of a miracle or in need of healing. I love where we started this series in the book of Psalms, because to me, the book of Psalms represent just this posture of bringing our whole selves, scars and all before God. The book of Psalms is written that actually gives us permission to feel sad. It gives us permission as believers to feel frustrated and angry and confused, but to bring it before God in a place of worship, because that's the posture that we can receive from God. I've said before that it's not about necessarily what you feel, but what you do with those feelings that matters. And what Psalms teaches us is it's this ability to be frustrated and sad and to bring God our pain without the feeling of needing to minimize it or to sanitize it, but to bring it before him in worship. And I think it's important we address pain and suffering in church because there is this thinking in our walk with Jesus and our thinking in faith, really that when we go through hard times, when we go through pain and suffering, that, that God is distant or that God is silent, or worse yet, that God is cruel. We think that maybe a relationship with Jesus should safeguard us from suffering. But actually, there, that idea is nowhere to be found in Scripture. See, the Bible, it actually says the opposite. We are promised to go through difficulty. The gospel promise is not that we would live a pain-free life, but that we would live a stain-free life. See, the gospel promises to us that though we may go through pain, pain won't leave its stain on us. I'm telling you the promise of scripture here today is that we have a past that's free from the penalty of sin, a life that's free from the power of sin, and a future that's free from the presence of sin. This is the promise. It's not a pain-free life, but it is a stain free life, that pain won't leave its stain on me. We're talking about sweet suffering. And the theological idea is called redemptive suffering, which means it's not that our suffering is sweet, but the hope is that we believe the hope in Jesus is that he can take our suffering and turn it into something sweet. In the text we read this morning, 2 Corinthians, it's quickly become one of my favorite books of the Bible. I've been studying it really the last few months, Paul is writing to a church that he planted. And really the whole idea of this book is about the paradox of the cross. God actually values radical weakness and humility. 
See, God chooses to demonstrate his power and his love through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul writes that we as Christians are called to take up the same form of Jesus in a cruciform life, called to follow in Jesus' own pattern of sacrificial love. And 2 Corinthians is a book all about how God takes our pain and he, makes, he, he brings a purpose from it. It's about how God takes our pain and actually the pain presents to us a promise that we'll have eternal glory on the other side. This is what 2 Corinthians is all about. And see, I think it's a great book because I think being a Christian is kind of a paradox. The paradox of being a Christian is that we hold together both suffering and hope, hand in hand. And just because we go through one doesn't mean we let go of the other. See, you could go through suffering, but it doesn't mean as a Christian that you let go of hope. And vice versa, just because we have a hope doesn't mean that you won't go through suffering. Being a Christian means we hold these two hand in hand, both suffering and hope. You know, how you respond to pain, I think, is a really big deal. So many times, many of us would get into trouble in our walk with Jesus based on simply how we respond to pain. Many times people get tripped up just all about how they respond to pain. If you think of God just as a safety net or think of God just as a, a, a nice benefit to your life or as a blanket to make you safe and comfortable, you will be disappointed. But if you can think of God the way the scriptures portray him as a God who embodies our pain, where is God in suffering? He is present in it. The paradox of the cross is that God chooses to showcase his power through life's most difficult moments. This is the beauty of our God. We're talking about sweet suffering. And I want to tell you today that no pain is in vain. I know it sounds like a cliche and it sounds cheesy to talk about it like that when we're talking about suffering, but this is the promise. I'm trying to help us to understand this truth that as a Christian, no pain is in vain. It's a word that means without meaning or purpose, but every single pain moment that you go through as a believer, the Bible's promise to us is that God gives it meaning. God can take it and give it purpose. No pain is in vain. All through the scriptures, the story from Abraham to Paul, there are moments, chapters of pain in people's lives. From Esther to David, even Jesus had chapters of pain in his story. But following every chapter, in every single instance, there is a chapter showing us what that pain has produced in their life. I'm here to tell you today that your life is no different. It's unavoidable to, to go through a chapter many times without pain. We all have pain chapters in our life, but the gospel promise to us is that no pain is without purpose. This is the beauty of our God. Yes. Hallelujah. We can know today that no pain is without purpose. And I want to help us in this idea, sweet suffering. How does God use pain? How does God take our suffering and make it sweet? I think there's two things in particular. The first one is that he restores it. How does God take our suffering and make it sweet? He restores it. Paul writes, verse 16, he says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We're being restored day by day. 
The word restoration, it usually speaks to an antique or a relic. And I love the, what this word kind of encapsulates because it speaks to us about taking something that has been broken or crap, cracked, crapped too, or stained, <laughs> taking something that has been beat up and bringing it back to life. That's what restoration means. But you know, the biblical idea of restoration goes even deeper. Because the biblical idea of restoration isn't just about repairing or returning, but about God restoring even better than we had before. The biblical idea of restoration is God taking something of our pain or our, uh, the moments, the areas of our life where we've been broken or where we've been abandoned or stained and taking it and making it, re restoring even more that has been lost. Let me explain it to you like this. We're talking about sweeter than honey. I was doing a little bit of research this week. You know, the, one of the things that just amazes me, I've got it with me, about honey. I don't know if you knew this or not, but it has no expiration date. The honey doesn't expire. I, I don't know if you knew that, but I feel like I was like today years old when I found out that honey doesn't expire. And what's amazing to me about this is that it seems like everything in our world has an expiration date, but honey doesn't expire. If you think about it, all, so much of our life has an expiration date attached to it. On the outward, Paul says we're wasting away, but on the inward, we're being renewed. It means that on the outside, things tend to have expiration dates. The Bible says that the grass withers, the flower fades, your outfit goes out of style. 2021 translation. I know some of you came to church today looking cute. 10 years from now, you're going to look back at the photos and think, what was I thinking? Because <laughs> guess what? Beauty has an expiration date. And guess what? Money has an expiration date. Happiness has an expiration date. Even your life here on earth has an expiration date. Some of you are going, well, that's encouraging. <laughs> What the heck, man? I thought this was supposed to help me. But I want to help us to see that even in a world full of expiration dates, there is a hope and a joy that never expires. It's what happens when God takes honey from the rock, sweetness from our suffering. On the outside, we may be wasting away, but God can take our suffering and he can redeem our hope. He can redeem our joy. He can redeem our peace. It's called restoration and it has no expiration date. I'm thankful to our God today that can restore a joy within us that doesn't expire. All around us, our happiness is fleeting. Our beauty is fleeting. It seems like the world is wasting away, but the promise is that inwardly we are being restored day by day. I mean, I love our God because day by day with him, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Come on, clap your hands and give him praise today. You know, I think when we're talking about restoration, I can't help but think of the story of Job can't talk really about suffering in church without talking about Job. If you're new to church, maybe you thought it was called Job. You're like, this, is, this sounds, sounds terrible. But Job really is a story that I think so many of us can relate to. It's a story of suffering. The synopsis is Job is a man that seemingly has it all together. He's got money, family, business, wealth, security. 
He seems to be doing everything right until everything goes wrong. One day, Job loses it all. What happens is the devil, he talks to God and he says, if you remove your protection, your hedge of protection around Job, I bet you he would deny you. I bet you he would give up his faith. God says, I know my servant. He says, go ahead and do your worst. Just don't touch the man. I'm reading this and I'm going, that is like, God, not me, please. <laughs> that sounds bold. Can I tell you many times, I think when we go through suffering, can I just tell you today, I think God trusts you more than you trust you. Job is a story where he loses everything. It's a moment of devastation and of suffering. But what I love about Job is he doesn't take his suffering passively. He doesn't take his suffering quietly or even piously because he suffers the way that so many of us suffer in family, in finances, in health, even in death. And his questions are so much like our questions. God, where are you? God, I thought you were good. Don't you have anything to say? These are Job's questions, but how many know these are our questions? When we go through suffering, thinking that God is distant, God is absent, God is silent, or that God is cruel. But I love Job's story because it teaches us this mystery of suffering. Because suffering, it can't be explained away. But the mystery, what Job teaches us, what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, is that somehow suffering actually brings us into proximity with God. Something about suffering brings us into proximity with God. The Bible says, Psalm 34, that God is near to the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted today, facing heartbreak, facing suffering, facing pain, can I tell you today, God is closer than he's ever been. That's a promise for you to hold on to. It's not that God is absent. He is closer than he's ever been. He's near to the brokenhearted. And the Bible says that we share in Christ's suffering, but so also we share in his glory. You know, Job's story is referenced later in the New Testament. The, the writer James, he tells Job's story as a story of restoration. James 5.11 says, you have seen what the Lord finally brought about from Job's suffering. And I think the irony is that even our suffering can be restored as a cause for joy and for celebration. This is the challenge I want to give to us today as a church, just to infuse you with a little bit of hope to know that what you're going through is not in vain. To knowing the pain that you face, something even about suffering, God can turn it around to use it, to restore it as a cause for joy and worship and celebration. How do I know this to be the case? Because I've learned so many times in ministry, God will take pain and use it as a platform. God will take our pain and use it as an ability to speak to others. It's called a testimony, but it's not a testimony without a test. And many times the pain that we face, God is using it to speak to other people. I love the story of Joseph. 
He goes through the pain of being betrayed, the pain of being lied to, the pain of being accused without the ability to defend himself, the pain of being rejected, the pain of being forgotten about. But you know the way that he tells his testimony, Genesis chapter 50, at the end of his life, after all the pain he's walked through, he tells his testimony as you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's the testimony. That's a testimony of when God takes the pain in our life and he restores it even as a cause or a purpose for good. This is how beautiful our God is, is that he restores even our suffering. I've sat with so many people over the years, people in a hospital room facing a diagnosis. Man, there's something, I'm just telling you, there's something about a testimony of a cancer patient that can worship with tears streaming down their face. To say like Job says, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. There's something about the testimony of a parent who loses a child, but still there is an unexplainable joy on the inside. This is what God will do. It doesn't make sense, but yet we still hold on to hope. There's something about the testimony of a husband who loses a spouse, and yet there is a glimmer of God's eternal purpose that he is working all things together for good. This is the promise of restoration. And this is the challenge for our church today. How does God use pain? He restores it. The second way I think that God uses pain is he transforms it. God will restore oftentimes, may, he may restore our pains on this side of eternity, or he will transform it on the next side of eternity. Paul continues to write in 2 Corinthians, he says that for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Light and momentary affliction. The thing is, affliction has never felt light and momentary. When we go through pain, it never feels like, oh, this too shall pass. You know what I'm talking about? Like, is there anything on earth longer than a treadmill minute? <laughs> I have run marathons in 40 seconds. <laughs> it feels like for me to just be running on the treadmill going, my God, how long is a minute? Because suffering feels like forever. This is the reality that many times when we go through difficulty, it doesn't feel light and momentary. But I don't think that Paul is like making light of our suffering. He's not making light of the pain that we have. But he says, compared to eternity, like if you can just get heaven's perspective on your pain, like if you can just take a look at the glory that awaits you. It's not that your pain is light and momentary, but compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits you, nothing can compare. It's not that suffering is minimized or that suffering is removed, but neither. God can take even suffering and use it for his eternal purpose. I actually think God is the only one who can take it and use it for his purpose. It's what Romans 8.28 says. He says, for God takes all things worked and works it together for our good, for those according to those called according to his purpose. It's not that everything is good. Hear me today, church. It's not that everything is good or that even bad things have a silver lining. 
The promise is that God can take even our pain and work it out for good. He can take even the most difficult parts of our life and turn it as a cause for goodness, eternal good and celebration. I love what Paul says. He says the light and momentary affliction is preparing glory for us. It's not that the, 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 it's not that God is preparing us for the glory. No, what pain does is God is preparing the glory for us. I see God working behind the scenes and taking even the most painful parts of our life and working glory out of them like a potter from the clay, things that don't make sense, thinking, God, I don't know what, I, don't, I can't see any good from this. And God behind the scenes is saying, I'm working glory out of it. I'm working glory out of it. I want to encourage you today. This is the hope that we have in heaven. For church, if you could just get a pers heaven's perspective on your pain, it's an eternal weight of glory. For in heaven, God will resurrect everything that we lost. This is the promise that we have is God doesn't just resurrect our bodies, but God resurrects our joy and God resurrects our story and God resurrects our hope for in heaven, there is an eternal weight of glory that he is working out from behind the scenes. How does God use our pain? He transforms it. He works it out for good. The question is, what is sweeter than honey? What's sweeter than honey? It's restoration. It's when God transforms our pain and uses good, uses it for good. This is what's sweeter than honey. You know, Revelation chapter 21, the writer John gives us a, a, a vision of how he sees heaven. One of the details that has always stood out to me is that he says the first thing that we'll do when we get to heaven is we enter through gates of pearl. You know how a pearl is formed? A pearl is formed because there is a bit of sand or a piece of a shell or something that's causing an affliction to the oyster. It gets inside its shell. And as a natural self-defense mechanism, the oyster will take the thing that's causing it pain and it will coat it over and over and over. And what started out as a wound and what started out as pain and what started out as an affliction or adversity, it coats it that we see the beauty of an oyster. And when John writes to us that when we get to heaven, we'll enter through gates of pearl, he's not just speaking about the beauty or the extravagance that we will see in heaven, but he's, the, the, I think the picture that he's painting for all of us is he's showing us how God, the very first thing we enter eternity is God transforming our suffering gates of pearl, how God will take what started out as evil, what started out as affliction, what started out as a wound, what started out as rejection, what started out as adversity, what started out as suffering, God will transform it into something that we can say, I can glorify God in this. I can worship God in this. And the first thing we'll enter through heaven by seeing all of our earthly pain being transformed. The, 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 Apologist and great Christian writer C.S. Lewis, he says, heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. Can you get a glimpse of glory today? 
What he's saying is that heaven's joy is retroactive. It will work back over our lives here and now to see the things that don't make sense, to see the pain that can't be explained away, to see the suffering and to look back over it as a cause for joy and worship and celebration. This is how beautiful our God is, that he transforms even our pain, even our suffering. He can transform it. You may be here today and you say, Cody, you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know the pain that I've had to face. You have no idea what I've had to walk through. You're right. But what I do know is that while I'm speaking today, I also believe that the Holy Spirit is also speaking a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of perseverance, to get a glimpse of glory today, to know that the promise that we have as a Christian is that none of my suffering is in vain. God will turn it around and use it for good. Romans chapter eight, verse 18, just a few verses before. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. How do I know this to be the case? The glory that awaits us on the other side of our suffering, because my Bible tells me that there is a king in heaven who was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities, bruised and beaten so that we could be made whole. His name is Jesus and Jesus died on a cross. And the cross, what was a symbol of punishment and death, God transformed into a symbol of hope and of life. Don't you see the way that God works? The beauty and the mystery of the way that our God works. Because when Jesus died on the cross, God didn't have to make a plan B. He didn't see the cross and say, oh no, I've got to make another plan to get around all the pain and suffering. No, he used even the pain and the suffering as a cause to bring redemption to our world. It's the very pathway. Can I tell you today, God doesn't want to just use you despite your pain. He actually wants to use your pain. How beautiful God is. He wants to use your pain to transform it, to restore it, to have a moment when we get to the other side of glory to say this is a cause for worship and for celebration, for this present suffering will be transformed into glory after this. That's how God uses pain. That's how God uses our pain. How beautiful. The God who's present in our pain. Jesus, he wasn't just the example. Jesus was our substitute. He died for us. That in his pain, we have life. We're talking about sweeter than honey. The psalmist says, from the rock will come honey. Can I tell you, there was another place in the Bible that that happened. For on the third day, there was a tomb, a big old rock that rolled away when Jesus stepped out of the grave. He is alive and he rose again. For out of the rock came the honey of new life, came the honey of an eternal hope, came the honey of access to heaven. Because of Jesus' suffering, we can be made whole. And he rose again. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
to stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.